Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. And every Wednesday, we invite Marty's wife, Christine Sorensen, KDK TV anchor woman in studio. And appreciate you coming in, Christine. Absolutely. So many people reached out to me over the weekend and through the last couple of days as to Marty's uh, medical situation. I can't imagine how many people have reached out to you. Well, I knew he posted on Facebook once my phone started blowing up. Um, but yeah, he's always been very open about, you know, what's going on with his health. And so he was happy to, you know, share. And of course, so many people are so sweet to be concerned. And um, yeah, it was kind of a, a wild, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a roller coaster of a weekend, to say the least. He, after the, well, during the warmathon, started feeling some real bad throat pain. Right. Did and, he tell you that during the show? No, not during our portion oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, but you but, were earlier. So Marty last Thursday was on 7 to 3, a marathon for the warmathon. And I, I know he said because he had a procedure uh, a couple of days before that to stretch his throat like right. literally right yes it's called an endoscopy and they put a, a like a balloon down there and because he was having some constriction and some of that is from acid reflux and some of that is from the cancer so he had this done three years ago and it really helped you know prevent any choking and so it kind of has to be redone every few years they told us so we had he had it done on tuesday which was why he was off tuesday and wednesday and apparently it looks like a small tear happened in his throat, which I guess is not an uncommon complication from it. But he, thus the pointed pain that he pointed out in the video, right? In particular, and then that got infected uh, because he also has what's called thrush, which is like a fungal infection in your mouth that is very common with people like him who have a lack of saliva. So he, between the two, it caused a lot of pain. Um, I mean, severe pain. I've never seen him like this. He could barely swallow. I mean, it was wincing. It was so horrible. He described it as a 12 out of 10 yeah, yeah to him. He never experienced that kind of pain in his life. So after taking pain medication, it still wasn't going away on Friday. Then on Saturday, we went to the ER and did some scans. They saw what they called an abnormality in that area. Which, of course, is concerning because when you right. have cancer, sure. you know, any kind of abnormality is very concerning. Now, thankfully, you know, there's a slim chance of his kind of cancer coming back, but it's always in the back of your mind. I know it's always in the back of his mind. I can only imagine. Yeah. So um, then the question is, you know, from there, the doctors were really trying to figure out, is this from 
a tear. You know, they didn't know at that point, could this be more cancer? Could it be something else? Um, could it be an a abscess, a error? I mean, there's all kinds of things they were talking about. But once he got the IV antibiotic and antifungal to take care of the, um, you know, the thrush and the infection, he started getting better very quickly. Now, to add on top of all this, he also aspirated either something from the um, procedure or some food, which is where food goes down the wrong tube and goes into your lungs. And that caused pneumonia. So he had very low oxygen levels when we first got to the hospital. So in addition to the throat thing, that now he's also got pneumonia. So his body's, you know, having to fight a lot. And he's tired. He can't eat anything but soft foods. So that's kind of a struggle just to get energy. What a cascade of issues. It was a lot at once. Yeah. But once the medicine started working, it was like a, I could just see a huge turnaround in his physical, you know, appearance and, and outlook and all that. Um, but it's still going to be a while before he's back to normal, anywhere right. near normal. And and for those that don't know, Marty works out all the time and spends more time doing that than 99% of people <laughs> I know. He loves and exercising. So, and, it's and, like a mental health thing for him. But I just imagine he's not comfortable just sitting either. So it's well, probably we, going a little stir crazy. We took a walk around the block and that's going to be all we're doing for a little while because it's going to be a while before he regains his strength and energy. And, you know, it takes several weeks, maybe even six weeks to fight pneumonia and, and get that out of your system. Really? That's what he was just telling me. Yeah. So it's going to be a while. And then also he really needs to be on voice rest. So his ear, nose and throat doctor said that, you know, with his job as a what they call it as a vocal athlete i mean you're projecting when you're on the air you're not just talking to another person where you have less stress on your voice when you are right. on the radio or on television you're a vocal athlete and your voice is your instrument and you really need to take care of that and so his doctor said that he needs to do kind of what adele did it was just take total voice rest and just let his voice heal and i would imagine that's challenging for someone who makes a living with his voice and is very vocal otherwise. Yeah. Right. So right. That's hard. But thankfully, we have texting and email, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll just have to use other forms of communication for a little while. And I want to thank all the people that reached out, too. And you can go to Get Marty Facebook page. You can go to X. Uh, you can go to kdkradio.com. You can go to our Smail Kia Instant Access and send Marty a note. A lot of people have done so. Oh, yeah. He actually so sweet. was we o- really overwhelmed it. with that. Yeah, it's so sweet. Everybody's been so kind, friends, family, people we don't even know, all reaching out. So thank you so much for all the kind wishes and especially for the prayers. I really think it makes a difference. So thank you. And thinking of you and the kids, too. It's very challenging. So uh, thank you. Marty, you're listening. Keep listening. Don't call, don't call in because you're not supposed to talk. <laughs> he, just, he just talked to Christine. On the phone. You're not supposed to be talking. All right. Coming up, I want to talk to you about your story, very powerful and emotional story you did with former KDK TV meteorologist and host John Burnett and his wife, Debbie. Yeah. Next on the Big K Morning Show. This is the Big K Morning Show. Larry Richard with Christine Sorensen. Marty's at home listening. And I know how passionate he is about this story that he talked to you about a while ago, and that was talking to our former colleague, anybody that worked at KDK-TV knew, John Burnett, a very up 
very gregarious, positive, passionate person. Um, well, he's a guy, if you ever meet John, like he, you can't not love him. I mean, he, he immediately is smiling. He asks you about yourself. He's, he's just. Yeah, his attitude in, is infectious. It really is. I mean, and, and I'm saying this because I keep hearing this over and over since this story. And everyone says, oh, when I met John, he was just like he was on TV. He was so, you know, upbeat and fun and and just, you know, all about, you know, getting to know somebody. He used to ride motorcycles with John Cigna, who sat in this air chair for 18 years. And he did a story where he was on an ultralight and he couldn't clear the treetop and it crashed and he fell through the trees and severely hurt his back. I heard that. And he was on the air the next morning by phone from his hospital room with John Cigna. And as it turns out, they didn't calculate the weight of the equipment oh. for the camera. Oh, my. And, and he was like, oh, well, you know, there he was. Wow. You know. Well, he was willing to do and try anything. I mean, he that was said, very adventurous. It, it kind of a, a studio daredevil. But over the last, now he's retired since 2019 mm -hmm. after 36 years, KDK TV. But you work with him every day for a long stretch. Yeah, yeah. Well, we so we started together on my first day on the air there in um, 2003 because I was the weekend anchor and he was the weekend meteorologist. So we started then. And then when I started doing PTL in 2006, he co-anchored that with me several days a week when he wasn't doing his meteorology. And we just were great compliment to each other you I, know i thought so too it's just our personalities were perfect as co-hosts because you know i mean you know me larry i'm very structured i'm very you know organized marty I'm, calls you the general yeah right so i'm very like on track and you know uh, i don't know john is pretty much the opposite he is spontaneous he's like let's just do it you know whatever he thinks he says i'm very controlled and so he brought out the best in me, and I kept the show on the rails. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, when did he and his wife notice that there was some cognitive change? They noticed about 10 years ago. Oh, and, that long ago? Yeah, and that did play into a little bit of his decision to retire. Um, and But it, so that is something they've been looking for answers for for some time. But then it was about two years ago that he started experiencing some physical challenges. And that's when I really, well, I guess I noticed some of the mental challenges too. But we'd been getting together for lunch every six months or so since he retired. So for the last five years, and I did start noticing more and more memory issues, short-term memory issues. And then about two years ago, I started noticing he was walking differently and his voice started getting hoarse. I remember when we were having coffee and he He's like, I don't know what's going on with my voice. We're trying to figure this out. He was having these minor tremor kind of shaking things. And I just felt so bad for him because, I mean, he, of all people, was his daughter described him as hyper physical. And I would agree. Like, he was one of those people who. Constant motion. Well, he was strong for 65 or 68 or 69. And I mean, he would lift me up literally like with two hands in the air. He would jump over things when he didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? He loved being very physical. He worked out. He walked. He was snowshoeing. I mean, he was definitely very active and a physical kind of person. So to all of a sudden see him in his 60s 
kind of walking like a much older person, like shuffling and his voice becoming hoarse. It just seems so, such a stark contrast. And then there is a relatively new, I guess the CTE, for those that don't know, is something that they could not identify positively until after death. They still can't. They still can't confirm that you have CTE until you've died because they can only tell through an autopsy of your brain. So what is it now that they're able to do to at least indicate that that's a possibility? Yeah. In 2021, they came out with some um, guidelines for doctors to kind of identify some characteristics and things that might say, okay, this person, we suspect they have CTE. So um, that's what John, you know, is suspected to have had is to have. He has several other things as well going on, and they may all or may not be related to his years playing football. And a lot of people don't realize, but he played ten years of contact football, including at the University of Tennessee, where he SEC big time right. program. Yeah, he was a defensive end, and he suffered several concussions, um, including some two big ones. But he also, you know, in addition, I asked him how many you know, blows to the head, would you say you had, not counting concussions? And he said probably 30 to 40 a game. I mean, that would be normal, you know, just you're constantly right, your banging your hit. head against the other guy's head or body. And um, the research is now showing that it could be, it could be all of the cumulative effects of those smaller head blows that are leading to CTE as well. At this point, is there any treatments that they're seeking? Unfortunately, there's not. Um, there's really very little you can do. There's some things you can do for some symptoms like Parkinson's, which he has some Parkinson characteristics and those kind of things, but there's very little they can do, unfortunately. Now, the University of Pittsburgh, they have a lot of research in the brain bank. Yeah, they just started nine months ago, announced. And prior to this story breaking, they had, what, about 100 people signed up? They had 100 people signed up since they announced it back uh, nine months ago with Jerome Bettis and Merrill Hodge. And and it, it's so amazing, the research. They're trying to figure out, you know, why is it some people might get CTE and others go through the exact same type of experience and never do? So, you know, it's, it's really difficult to assess your risk doing any of these sports when you really don't, we just don't know much about CTE. They know more and more, I've read some of the scientific research about what's causing it in terms of what's going on in the brain, but why do some people get it? Why do some not? So this is really important research for them to figure out more and hopefully help you know all future generations know what kind of risks they can take. So yes, they had 100 people signed up in the first nine months, but since our story aired uh, about two weeks ago, they've had 77 people sign up, which is unbelievable. And for John and Debbie to know that sharing their story, which I would totally understand if they didn't want to right. also, but to share it with you uh, has had an immediate impact. So, Well, there's a beautiful story in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, thanks to um, Joshua Axelrod. He did a really, really nice story, and he really talked, he, he kind of framed it that, you know, John and I, former colleagues teaming up together to really help make a difference. And um, I did, when I spoke with his wife, Debbie, about whether or not they might want to do the story, I said, first of all, you know, I'm not doing this for me. I'm only doing this if you want to do it, number right, one. Right. But I will tell you that I was reluctant to go forward and be public with Marty's cancer diagnosis sure. because I'm much more private and it just seemed like a lot to take on. However, I told her once we did, it was the best thing we ever did. Because, well, the yeah. people that 
the young people in particular that got the HP, uh, v HPV vaccine, yeah. vaccines was countless thousands and thousands of people. And so I'm glad you guys went public because it saved lives. And, and that's the thing. It feels really good when you're in a challenging situation, a health situation, to feel like you're also making a difference despite what you're going through. And then just to feel the love from the community. And I know they're feeling that. Well, that's a it's a powerful story. And bravo to them and you and Marty for doing it. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about another issue a lot of kids have, right, Christine? Oh, Yeah. ADHD and ADD, it's been a lot of kids are diagnosed with this now. So there's a lot of confusion, though, about what do you do if you think your kid does or doesn't maybe have it? We have a doctor, Abigail Schlesinger, who'll talk about it next. And we continue our conversation, Christine Sorensen, KDK TV anchorwoman, and obviously Marty Griffin's wife. Appreciate the update on Marty and, uh, again, everybody that's concerned it has been reaching out and there have been many and just to follow up i know because of course cancer is always a concern he has had the scan it was hard to tell after they redid it on monday you know just confirming that there's no cancer but they will redo the scan in a couple weeks and hopefully we'll have a little more clarity there well that's encouraging to say the least and hopefully uh that clears and uh on the men, but a slow process, too. Yeah. They're going through a lot. Right. It's going to take a while to heal from, from all of that. Let's talk about Kidsburg. you got a great lineup every week. I enjoy hearing uh, a lot of these things people don't know that are right here under their nose that they can do with their kids. It's amazing how much stuff there is in our community. This one is really unique. It's the National Organization of Minority Architects has a special program for kids 6 to 12. Several workshops are only $5, but even if that's too much, they, they will waive the fee for you because the goal is really to get more kids interested in architecture and especially minority kids. And so they've got these really cool workshops this weekend um, where you can learn all about what architects do, how they decide what materials they use in their designs, how it impacts the environment. Um, that's coming up. And then if you go to several of these, they also offer a real good discount to their summer camp. So if you have kids interested at all in architecture or engineering, definitely worth going to. Um, and then this weekend, there's some really fun shows happening downtown, the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra's Fiddlesticks concerts. If you've never been to those, those are concerts geared specifically for younger kids, so they're shorter, um, and they kids can stand up, they can dance, they can move, they've got singing as well, characters, and tickets start at $18, and that's at Heinz Hall, with the chance to hear the symphony, which is amazing. And this next one, I got to laugh, because when I was a kid, we learned about how you make maple syrup. You get syrup from trees. And what we did, we, we took nails and went out on the maple trees in the backyard. And I don't think we were doing it right. My dad was kind of thinking we were going to ruin these beautiful trees. Well, that's a good point because they're going to teach you how to do it so you don't ruin your tree. <laughs> but yeah, there is a way you can tap your own maple tree and collect the syrup and then you boil it down so it's you know going to taste good and you can put it on your pancakes. Um, and that's happening at North Park this weekend. There's several more. In fact, we have a whole guide to 17 different events happening around maple syrup um, just in our area. So a lot of those are coming up in March. So check out that guide for all the maple syrup events, including the one this weekend. But you got to register for that, and it is filling up. So make sure if that's something you want to do that you check it out. And we were hoping to hear from Dr. Abigail Schlesinger 
Clinical Chief of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and Integrated Care at UPMC Western and UPMC Children's. She couldn't make it at this time. She can call in, actually. We're, she, we're having a challenge with the numbers, so let me make sure I gave her the right number. Can we go to break and get her after that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. We'll do that. Well, I'm glad she made it, and we'll talk to her next about, a, a, what is it, AD? ADD or ADHD. <laughs> you think I'd know that by now. Big K Morning Show, and you had done a story, Christine, about this whole subject. For Kidsburg, too, well, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, Kidsburg wrote about it, and the really so many parents have a lot of questions about what to do if they think their kid may have ADHD or their teacher thinks they may have ADHD because, you know, so many kids are being diagnosed with this right now, and part of the challenge is that, you know, it's often prescribed medication, and you really do need to think a lot about, do I want my child to be on medication? Who do I consult, and who do I ask uh, the right questions of? And get this, 6 million kids between the ages of 3 and 17 were diagnosed with ADHD between 2016 and 2019. That's a lot of kids. So it's Attention Deficit Disorder is ADD, and Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder is ADHD. And what are they and why are they different? Dr. Abigail Schlesinger is the Clinical Chief of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and Integrated Care at UPMC Western and UPMC Children's. Doctor, good morning. Hello there. Good morning. Thank you for joining us, doctor. So first of all, if you're a parent and you think your child is having difficulty focusing or is very hyperactive, what is the first step you should do to see if your child may or may not have ADD or ADHD? Yeah, I, I always recommend the first step is talking to your pediatrician or primary care doctor who will have a good handle on developmental expectations as well as hopefully have known your family for some time. And then there are a number of things they can do after that to help you determine sort of what the causes of the difficulty with attention and or hyperactivity. And I have heard, doctor, that one of the, uh, after somebody is diagnosed, one of the treatments is prescribing Ritalin. How common is that? Well, so it is true that the, so the evidence-based intervention for ADHD is a combination of therapy and medicines. And in fact, Ritalin has been around for quite some time and has excellent data for treating the core symptoms of ADHD. So we often recommend things like uh, Ritalin or Adderall or Vyvanse. Uh, Those are some different names you might hear. Um, But I think people get really focused on, A, am I starting medicine or not? That's an important question. But it's also important to recognize other needs your child might have related to learning or movement, um, because many times kids with ADHD don't only have ADHD, they have other things they need to work on. So a lot of this involves working with a therapist, is that right, including some of the diagnosis? Because I'm told that sometimes a teacher could say, hey, we think your child has this, or even the pediatrician, but it sounds to me like it might need a little bit more analysis. Well, so it's, uh, you know, as all things in life, all things in mental health, there's a wide variety of ways people can present. All the way from it's clear it's ADHD, like a parent will say, my child's been hyperactive since the, in utero, since mm-hmm. before they were born. <laughs> um, and uh, pediatricians and primary care doctors are the first place to stop, to start. Many times they can give the diagnosis at mm. that point uh, by getting information from you, from the child, from your school. Um, 
generally teachers don't want to give the diagnosis because they shouldn't. They're not trained in it, right? Mm -hmm. But what they can provide is information about how your child is doing compared to the other kids in the class in terms of their developmental expectations. So teachers are a huge part of the team. And then you mentioned therapists. I think licensed clinical therapists or physicians such as psychiatrists or APPs, they can give uh, diagnoses, especially in more complicated cases where there may be other things going on in addition to ADHD. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's very helpful. And then what about, say, once they are diagnosed and they do actually have ADD or HD, are there certain accommodations that the kids can get at school to help them be more successful and, and thrive in the school environment? Yes, definitely. So um, we recommend that all kids have at least a 504 plan, which is a list of accommodations or things that can help them do better. Um, some of these things you can get even if you don't have ADHD or a different diagnosis, um, but that you work with your school and ask for what supports might help your child. I also recommend just talking to your teachers and saying, what have you done that's helped my child? Like um, maybe they don't like to sit, so they have a special thing they sit on to help them. Um, so, yeah, there are lots of different accommodations uh, that you can do to help youth so they thrive in school. And where do you recommend parents get more information? Oh, there's so much information everywhere. Um, so uh, I would recommend going to um, things like CHAD. Uh, that is uh, uh, a website, a group uh, designed by parents and people that have ADHD uh, where they have vetted information. I'd be a little careful about things online, like on TikTok and other places where you can get some information, but it's not vetted um, and may confuse you a little bit. And one more question. Do you think it's overdiagnosed? Because I feel like we hear a lot about it and there's some people who are confused about what it really is. Yeah, well, I think that that's a complicated question. We know that... um, that it can be misdiagnosed at Mm. times. People hear the word attention or hyperactivity and think it's got to be ADHD, but it could be lots of other things. Um, That's why we recommend sort of starting with your uh, medical doctor and then sort of moving through the the different areas if your kid is having difficulty. Now, that being said, um, ADHD is really common. Nine to 10% of kids have either ADHD with hyperactivity or ADHD without hyperactivity. Mm. So this is the weird thing about the diagnosis. As physicians, we call it all ADHD, but (laughs) yeah. Dr. Abigail Schlesinger, Clinical Chief of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry and Integrated Care at UPMC Western and Children's. Thank you, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Great information. Coming up, 10 until 2, Colin Dunlap is in the air chair. And for a preview, Mr. Dunlap. Yeah. um, Hello. I heard you and Kathy talking about electric cars earlier yeah so there's a there's a challenge now nationwide where they're not going to have enough charging stations right, right, right. so the, the uh, infrastructure's got to get a lot bigger fast agree with that um all that aside i had one for a couple weeks because you know, i rotate through some cars richard Bazzi, my good friend is able to you know I, I help he helps me out i help him out in any way it was the best ride and drive and most enjoyable car I've ever had in my life. I had the Ford Mach-E. It was incredible. It what When you say that, and you're kind of a car guy now because mm-hmm. your son's into racing, so right. I'm sure you're, and he's into all of that. When you say that. I'll explain. Okay. I stepped on the gas and it took off like a golf cart. I have heard that. You know, but then. Torque speed from zero is good. It, it, it For the first second, it felt like a golf cart. 
after about two seconds into that or three seconds into that, it felt like you were sitting on the front seat of a roller coaster where the G's like pushed you back into the seat. Inside of it was like being on some kind of SpaceX mission or whatever. All the <laughs> the screen was as big as the one we use for our radio show. Everything was bright and it, it, I, I explained it like this. It felt like when the Jetsons said this was life was going to be like, you were living it. Huh? it but the only negative I had was charge anxiety. Yeah. Like the range was 240 miles or whatever. 240 miles is great, but it really means 120 because you got to get home. All good points. <laughs> you know? They need more charging stations. Yeah, and you need to have a high-speed one in your garage. But the functionality of it, I guess that's my point. The functionality of it was the most enjoyable car I've ever been in in my life. Wow. That's yep. a pretty strong endorsement. And I've been in a lot, driven a lot. Colin Dunlap coming up. Thanks, Colin. Yep. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 